Well, those of you who've been with us for a while, that is our Charlie Brown um, special. We show that every year for like the last 11 years. I was like, oh, yes, I am busting it out yet again. I love the line that Christmas is not about the presence under the trees, about God's presence with us. And I'm so excited to be with you guys today. Pastor Joshua sends his greetings. He's over at the Waterville campus. And uh, we are happy to announce this new sermon series that we are starting today called Gifted. God has given each one of us a gift. And in these next few weeks, we want to just pray that God will show you what that gift is that he has given you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for this season, this season um, of giving, this season of being close to our loved ones, and most importantly, Lord God, this season of drawing close to you. God, I thank you that you love us enough that you have gifted each one of us with some spiritual gift. And God, I pray that you would show us in these next few weeks, Lord God, so that we would honor you by giving it back to you, by using it to bring glory to, to you and to your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is speaking in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. 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 So today I'm going to discuss... The six must-have gifts of the season. Can you say must-have? Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I'm uh, preparing and getting ready for Christmas. I love this time of the year. I'm a bargain shopper. My favorite name brand is Clarence, so I love going out and finding all the deals. And I just love to give. I do. I just If, if I had even, I mean, I, we have a huge family for one, so it, we, I have lots of opportunities to give to lots of people. And I just, I love giving. I love finding that special um, gift for somebody to just light up uh, their, their day. It's just something that I love to do. And so this is a fun season for me to go shopping more. But <laughs> I know that it's more than that. This is a season to draw close to God, to make sure that, that as the old saints used to say, he is the reason for the season. And so I want to talk to you about six must-have gifts. And these gifts are not something that you can buy on Clarence. These gifts are only given by the power of God. But these gifts are available for every single person who wants them. And so I love what the scripture says in James 1:17. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights and whom there is no variation or shadow or turning. So these six gifts that we're going to talk about today are ones that are from God. If you were with us and you came in and you got a bulletin, if you are old school like me and you want to write that down, we didn't get time to make a, make a version one, but we have it on good old-fashioned pen and paper. You can take notes. These six gifts that we're going to talk about are number one, gift of presence. Can you say presence? presence? I love what David says. It says, in your presence is fullness of joy. Friends, if you have been discouraged, as I know some people face depression this time of year as, as the days are shorter and, uh, you know, the stress of the holidays, sometimes it's easy for the enemy to come in and bring discouragement. But friends, let me tell you, if you abide in his presence, you can't be depressed. It's impossible to be depressed and be in his presence. Ain't that so? 
I mean, if you're in his presence, friends, there is fullness of joy. It sometimes bothers me a little bit when I see so many Christian people depressed. It doesn't bother me because I think they're doing something wrong. It bothers me because I, I get mad at the enemy. You know what I'm saying? I get mad at the devil because I, I know that there is the abundant life available to you. Even when you're going through things, God's presence is there. I'm telling you, friends, some of the time that I have sensed his presence the most is in a hospital room. Seriously. It's it's in the darkest hour of your life that God is still there and he still shows up in his presence. There is fullness of joy. Come on, somebody. Get happy with me for a minute. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. You don't have to walk around heavy, burdened. You don't have to walk around depressed and easily angered and frustrated all the time. You don't have to walk around like you've just been given this this crappy life and it just is who you are and you've been that way forever and it's you just got that sour face. You just always got that face. Let me see that. Yeah, there's a smile. No, you don't have to walk around like that. You can walk around with the presence of the Lord because you know what, friends? Let me tell you a little secret. You are carriers of his presence. That means you could walk in the darkest place. And you could be the only Christian in that place with a hundred other people who, who, let's just say, not only are they far from God because they're, they're ignorant and maybe have never heard, but let's just say you could walk in a place of people who literally hate God and you'd be the only Christian. And guess what? When you enter in that place, you carry the light of Christ and the presence of the, uh, uh, of the most holy God and you can light up that place. And guess what? You could bring joy in there because in his presence, there is fullness of joy. I love what the Christian linebacker says and what other people have said here, God's presence with us is his greatest presence to us, friends. His presence with us is his greatest present to us. It's what Christmas is all about. That's why the angels announced Jesus' name as Emmanuel, which means God with us. He wants, to, he wants his presence to be right where you're at, friends. We need to remember it's the most important gift that we can get for ourselves, and that we can share with others. Friends, I want to encourage you to bring the presence of God wherever you're at. I love Acts chapter 3. It's one of my favorite um, stories here in the Bible, and I say that about a lot of passages because I just really love the Bible. But I love this one, and I've I've taught on this at length before, but I'm just going to give a little summary of it right now. See, Acts chapter 3 is... It, well, it was about the, the beggar man who sat at the gate beautiful. And G, uh, Peter and John, they came to the church to pray that day. And they, they walked past the beggar man, and he was, of course, um, begging for money. But see, the scripture says that Peter and John looked straight at him. Now, I love that part in the passage because, see, oftentimes we don't look really deep within a person. We only see what's on the surface. See, the, the, I'm sure other people passed by him before Peter and John, and they probably dug in their, in their pocket, and they probably threw him a couple coins because he was begging for money. But, see, Peter and John looked past his surface need, and they looked to the, the rooted, the deep need in his heart. And they reached out 
their hand. They said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. And the man was instantly healed. And then he praised the Lord, looked to Jesus, and was a testimony. The church literally grew 2,000 people that day because Peter and John looked past the surface and looked to the deeper need, friends. We have people in our church today that are spiritually lame. Maybe you can get up and walk, but you're lame in the fact that you're not walking in the fullness of God and his presence. You don't know how to walk in joy. You don't know how to walk in happiness. You don't know how to walk the victorious life. You think that sounds like it's far off, but only a few special Christian people can actually operate in that because their life might have been just a little easier than your life. But no, friends, that is a deception from the enemy. God has for you. The enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy, but God came to give life and that more abundantly. But see, the problem is, is most of us only look at the surface need. We only look at... You know, what's obvious? Peter could have said, oh, man, you know what? I don't got any money. But, hey, John, you remember that one time Jesus needed to pay taxes? You remember what he told us to do? Oh, let's go fishing real quick. I bet you we can get another gold coin. But if he would have did that, he, they would have just helped with the surface issue. But instead, they looked down deep. And, friends, it's so easy for us to not, it's so easy for us to just look at the surface issue. Several years ago, I was helping serve at Vision Kitchen. And you just can't help it when you're serving. When you serve at the kitchen, you just got just a little extra bounce to yourself. You just feel a little good about yourself. You know, when you're serving other people, you just can't help it. And so I had a little extra. I'm already pretty happy of a person, but I had an extra bounce that day, right? And I'm passing out my plates like, God bless you guys. You know, our church is awesome. Look at us. We're serving the Lord, you know. And I got to one lady. And Pastor Earl, this lady had an attitude like I have never seen. I went to give this lady her plate, and she was like, and she like, at me, and I was thinking, oh, no, she, no, she didn't. This ain't McDonald's. Like, this is for free. We want to have an attitude. Take it over across the street. I'm serious. This is what I was thinking, right? And so I handed her her plate, and I'm thinking to myself, mm, where's Pastor Earl at? Let me go find him, because I'm telling on this girl. I don't know who she thinks she is talking to me this kind of way. Don't she know that the church, that the people, the body of Christ has paid for this food and given it to her, and she's going to have an attitude like that? We don't need that attitude up in here. And I'm having all these thoughts go through my mind, right? I'm going to find Pastor Earl, and on my way to go find him, the Holy Spirit whispered to me he said oh no 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 uh-uh 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 he said why don't you get a little deeper why don't you get a little deeper and so I had this idea I don't know I, it must have been a God idea I had this idea you know when I get an attitude what you know what helps me out and ladies I think I think a lot of y'all know sometimes when we get an attitude what just gives us a little boost chocolate friends Chocolate. You thought I was about to get spiritual? No, no, no. Chocolate. And so I was like, ooh, where can I find some chocolate at real fast? I was like, I know. The perfect place. Pastor Dawn's office. Children's pastors always got chocolate somewhere. So I'm like, Pastor Dawn, Pastor Dawn, you got some chocolate. And I get this chocolate together. I put it in a little bag. I try to make it look pretty. And I'm like, okay, Lord. I was a little nervous because this lady had an attitude, like big time attitude, like scary attitude, right? I'm like, okay. I'm walking with God. God told me to do this. And I went and I found her and I gave her this cho- I said, you know what? I feel like the Lord just told me that I want to bless you with this. And I gave her the chocolate. And she began to tear up, friends. And she got down to the deep issues of her heart. And she began to tell me about her life and about the bad day that she had. And she began to open up in a way that she wouldn't have opened up if I would have just handed her meal and ignored her attitude and went on. See, her attitude was the surface 
It was the, the surface showing. But see, friends, she had hurt deep down that only the Spirit of God could reach. You see what I'm saying? Oftentimes people show us the surface, but deep down there's something that they need that we have if we have Christ that we can give to them if we would take the time to really see them. And so the number one gift that we need this season is the gift of presence. Friends, would you give yourself to your family? Start there. Start with your children if you have kids in the house. Give yourself to them. You know what? Sometimes you might have to bribe your oldest son to come to South Toledo with you instead of Waterville with daddy because he can sleep in. And you're going to get him a latte. But it's okay. If my gift makes a way for me to have presence with somebody, friends, a gift gives a way to the giver. The best gift you can give this season is yourself. Would you reach out to somebody? Would you let them know that you love them? And more importantly, that God loves them. And when you do, friends, you will see God. And he will be with you. So the gift of presence is the most important gift. We need to have it, friends. The second gift that's on the must-have list of gifts this year is the gift of generosity. Mm. Generosity always wins favor, particularly when accompanied by modesty. Friends, generosity is more than just giving finances, though it is giving finances. I had recently had an um, aunt call me up and ask me to go somewhere with her. It was about 10 o'clock at night. It was the day before, what was the day before something? I think it was the day before, oh, it was the day before Thanksgiving, and she wanted to go get some ads because it kind of runs in our family. We like to, to get deals. But I was making macaroni and cheese, and I was getting things prepared for the next day for our dinner. And I, I told her, no, I just didn't really feel like it. And then I hung up the phone, and I just felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit come on me and say, you know what? When's the last time your aunt called you up to spend some time with you? So I called back real quick, like, hey, Auntie, are you, are you gone yet? Have you, not, have you haven't left? Come pick me up. And she was like, oh, no, I'm just now getting in my car. I'm like, come get me. And I had opportunity to encourage her and pray with her and spend time with her. Friends, that's being generous. When you give, when you don't feel like doing something and you do it anyway, we need to be generous with our time. We need to be generous with our finances. We need to be generous with our smile. I'm looking at you. Come on. Give it back to me. It's almost there. Got it's all, I, you got dimples. You need to be generous with that smile. We're so mean all the time. We want others to come to church. You look scary. They don't want to come with you. <laughs> they don't want to come with you. They're afraid of you. <laughs> Listen, smiling is, a, is the universal language. Everybody understands it, and it's not going to hurt you just to try it out just a little bit. It softens people. It makes people say, hmm, something's different about them. God wants us to be generous. I want to share a little story in, in Luke 21. And I, this story reminds me of our church here on South Toledo campus right here on Broadway. It says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts in the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. Friends, we can't outgive God. And don't you think that your little two cents 
that he doesn't, that, that it doesn't matter. Friends, when you give with a generous heart and you give from a heart of love, your two cents might be more than $2 million that someone else gives because you're giving with a right heart. God wants us to give because generosity is a gift that he's given us. He left heaven and all the riches to come be born in a stable, friends. Think about it. Think about it. He left all the glory of heaven to show up. I kind of consider Bethlehem the hood of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Bethlehem where he showed up, you know, where he was born. And then he actually was born in, in like the most ghetto place in Bethlehem that had to offer that day. The stable. How generous is our God that the, he chose to send his son to set an example for us in giving. And so I want to encourage you. You are blessed to be a blessing. I want to encourage you. Take time to give this year. We're doing an end of the year challenge. This is our second year in a row to do it. And friends, I know that our church is a generous church. I know that you guys are going to dig in deep and that you're going to give. And on top of it, we're giving you some bonuses. At first I was like, oh, let's get like a little gift. Let's offer like an ice cream sundae for the first this amount. And let's offer like maybe some pins. And Josh was like, uh-uh, pies in the face. He said, that's what they want, pies in the face. So listen, y'all, so far we got, we got about $1,100 collected. So that's enough to get um, pastor, our children's pastors. But they've always take pies in the face. So let's up it a little bit. Let's get Pastor Josh. And, because last year I had to take it by myself, y'all. Let's get Pastor Josh this year. $2,500. That's not, that's not beyond. And that's this campus and Waterville campus. But y'all, I really, really want to see Pastor Renee just take it, man. Never has she done it before. Never. Look at, and I hope her hair is just this pretty when she gets it. I hope it's just that pretty. But y'all, we got to dig in deep, guys. We got to do this. So let's be generous this year and let's give. Let's give to the church because the church is God's um, way of blessing the world. It's, and, and so we see what we do here. We're a part of an amazing church. We're part of a church that feeds people free of charge three times a week. We're part of a church that just planted another campus. We're a part of a church that's doing something, that's raising little kids up and teaching them the Bible and having them do Bible quiz and so many other fun things. So let's give and let's make it happen, okay? Gift of generosity is on the must-have list, friends. Another must-have gift, and I want to take some time on this one, is the gift of forgiveness. Can you say forgiveness? It's the gift of forgiveness. See, Matthew says in, in, in chapter 5, 22 and 24, it says, But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of judgment, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council, but whoever says, You fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if you're bringing your gift to the altar and they remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Friends, forgiveness is a gift that we give to others, but that when we give it, we receive as well because Jesus says, forgive others as you have been forgiven. Forgiveness is something that's so important. Forgiveness 
It's something that I see when we don't forgive, when we are easily offended, friends, it is something that robs the church. It robs God's kingdom. It robs the people of God from walking in what they're supposed to walk in. See, I think a great book, is a classic now, is from John uh, Brevere. It's called The Bait of Satan. If you haven't read it, r- read it. I've read it several times and I've taught um, courses on it several times because it's so true because I'm one who has never been offended. I, I never got offended before. I'm just, I, you know, I'm kind of sometimes... Some of my leaders have told me I'm a little on the gullible side at times, and I'm just kind of a, you know, a bubbly type of person. But I also have another side of me that's like, oh, no, you didn't, you know, like how I was with that lady who, who caught an attitude with me. The only time I usually get offended with somebody is when they get offended with me. Well, I became a pastor 20 years ago, and I realized, oh, my gosh, everybody doesn't love me. They get offended with me sometimes. And I had to fight through getting offended back. Can you believe that? Friends, in the church, that is how the enemy wants to divide us. Just like in our marriage, the enemy wants to come in in the marriage and in the family, and he wants to bring in little offenses that you're going to catch an attitude, and then all of a sudden you're going to have, you know, you're going to hold on to that, and then you're going to have an attitude, and they're going to have an attitude. You don't even know what you're even fighting about because it's been like two weeks later, and you're still mad at each other. The same is true in the church. Sometimes maybe someone didn't say hi to you because they was rushing to the bathroom, but you didn't know they was rushing to the bathroom because they was just really focused about going to the bathroom and you got an attitude with them and they don't even know that they offended you and now every time you see them, you have a little ugh on your face about them. Friends, we got to be careful because offense is the bait of saying Offense is what the enemy wants to use to keep you from growing. Many are unable to function properly in their calling because the wounds and hurts that offenses have caused in their lives. They are handicapped hmm, and hindered from fulfilling their potential. Most often it is a fellow believer who hurt them. We got to forgive in the church, friends, if we can't forgive each other. So I want to give you a couple tips, if you will, of what you should do to have an unoffended heart because God wants us to have an unoffended heart. Say unoffended. I'm going to give you a few tips. Give the benefit of the doubt. Didn't your mama teach you that? My mom taught me that. Give the benefit of the doubt. See, often we judge others by our attentions and everyone else by their actions. Oh, we judge ourselves by our attentions. I said that wrong. We judge ourselves by our intentions and everyone else by their actions. It's possible to attend one thing while communicating something totally different. Friends, I have learned that sometimes my intentions might be right, but maybe my tone wasn't quite right. My husband has told me, you could be 100% right in what you say and 100% wrong in how you say it. (sighs) Sometimes my attention is right. I just want to help somebody out. You know what I'm saying? I just want to bring something to their attention. Just make, you know, know, help them out. I'm the type of person, if I see something on your face, I'm going to be, you know, that's how I am. But I've learned that I need to make sure that my tone is right. I need to make sure that uh, I'm, that my facial expressions are right, right? Because first my tongue had to be delivered, then my face. And, it, you know, it's just like so much going on. You know what I'm saying? I had to learn to soften things up sometimes when you speak to somebody. My husband's like, just say it to me how it is. I'm like, mm-mm. Don't say it to me. Like, like pray about it first. And then, like, say it really nice. Like, tell me the truth, but then say it, like, really nice to me and gentle. Like, I don't want to cry too much when you leave. Like, can you say it nice? And guess what I've learned? I have learned in, in, the, in the last couple decades here of, of ministering that most of y'all who say, oh, I'm from the hood, just say it to me. How it, nah, man, nah, you don't want it said. Like, don't lie. 
Recognize yourself. You want to be told with respect and with kindness. And you know what? That's what the Bible says. In love. So give people the benefit of the doubt. And then as you're giving people the benefit of the doubt, make sure that you're checking your own self and how you say things. Amen? Pray for those who offend you. What about that? Huh? That's a thought. That's a thought. Pray for those who offend you. It's hard to stay offended at someone you're praying for. It's true. Let love cover it. If it's someone that you know well, because usually it's those people that we know well that can offend us the most, let love cover it. Just don't even think about anything. I remember when Pastor Steve and Angel first came to us, Pastor Steve, you know, he's a little gruff sometimes, and he, he would call me up, like, it seemed like once a week apologizing for something. I'm like, dude, it's, it's cool. I wasn't, I didn't even think about that. I had to tell him, like, can you please stop calling me up apologizing? Like, you know, love covers it. <laughs> love covers it. You know, sometimes we got to do that. I remember early on um, in my walk with the Lord, I was the same way, um, like Pastor Steve, I would always go to someone and apologize or on top of always going to someone, and you do, you should go to people and apologize. But what I was doing is, is um, I also went to people every time they offended me over like the littlest things. I thought that was like the right thing to do, you know, Matthew 18 and stuff. And I'm like, okay, so I mean, over the littlest things, I would, hey, I just need to let you know the other day when you said this, I took it like this. And, 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 and I, was t- I was doing that over and over. So finally, one of my friends said, Joy, I love you, but you can ruin a relationship like that. Like, let love The Bible says love covers a multitude of offenses. If it's something that's little and you pray about it, give it to the Lord. And in three days, if you're still on that, then maybe say something. But every time someone says something that hurts your feelings or rubs you the wrong way, you don't got to say something to them about it. Because love covers a multitude of offenses. Someone just got set free right here today. Come on, somebody. Love covers a multitude of of offenses. And finally, Jesus set the example. In my greatest hour of need, my closest friends deserted me. Judas betrayed me. Peter denied me, and the rest fled for their lives. Only John followed from afar. I had cared for them for over three years, feeding them and teaching them. Yet, as I died for the sins of the world, I forgave. I released all of them from my friends who deserted me to the Roman guard who crucified me. They didn't ask for forgiveness, yet I freely gave it. Let's follow the example of Jesus. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Most of the time, most of the time, not all the time. Sometimes we've got to forgive people who are just outright mean. But most of the time, especially in the church, friends, people didn't mean to offend you. They really didn't. Forgive. Amen? Is it a gift? It's a gift. Come on. We got to give it to get it. It's a gift. The fourth gift here on the must-have gifts this season is the gift of salvation. Salvation is from our side of choice. From divine side, it is a seizing upon, an apprehending, a conquest by the Most High God, our accepting and our willingness, our reactions rather than actions, A.W. Tozer. John 4.10, you guys may know this. This is the, the story of the woman at the well, and it says, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The greatest gift that we can have, friends, is the gift of salvation. Jesus is salvation. If we ask of him, he will give it to us. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 
2, 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not by yourself. It is what? A gift of God. Salvation is our greatest gift, friends. Salvation is a free gift, but it's not without cost. We need to make sure that we receive this gift for ourselves, and then we need to make sure that everybody that we love has the opportunity to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that they could also receive. And this, friends, is a time where some people who wouldn't go to church before might come because it's Christmas time. This is an opportunity that even worldly people are a little bit more softened to hear the gospel. Take advantage of the season that we're in and give the greatest gift. You can't give it by yourself. Only Jesus can give salvation, but you can be the vehicle that he uses. I was just reading in my um, Greek devotional by uh, Rick Rayner, and he was talking about his mom, and he said that his mom, and now she was around in the World War II generation, she was invited to church around Christmas time um, as a child. And the, the way that, that enticed her to come is that that little Baptist church was giving out candies. Now, you have to understand during World War II, um, sugar, just like other uh, resources, weren't as readily available as they are today. And so a treat like a bag of candy for a little girl during the World War II, during that time, was a great um, excitement for her. And so she went for that candy. But when she came, she heard the gospel and she received Jesus that candy was just a vehicle to lure her in. And friends, whatever it takes, maybe maybe it's taking someone out to coffee. Maybe that coffee will be that little vehicle that can help lure them in to, to show them that there is something greater. But pray and ask God to show you how to reach out and to minister to other people. Because the greatest gift that we can receive is salvation. And friends, I hope that you want that gift for your friends, for your family. Share the gift of life with them. It's the greatest gift. Number five on the must-have gifts is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit. If you know me, you know I'm passionate about the Holy Spirit. Luke eleven thirteen says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Several years ago at camp, and some of you guys have heard this, but it's worth retelling. Seven years ago, several years ago at camp, um, it, we had a kids' camp, and God was just really moving very powerfully. Shua, I think, was nine at the time, and we had an altar call. Um, we, we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how God wants to pour out his spirit on all believers, even on children, and that the spirit of God will give us power to be witnesses. And, and you may even receive a, a prayer language this day. And so several of our kids came up and they answered the altar call and they were praying. Now, at this time, we had our younger ones with us who really weren't supposed to be at kids camp because they didn't meet the age requirement, but they came with Josh and I because we were there. And so Jubilee at the time was only seven years old and she saw Shua and, and another little girl get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she saw them speaking in tongues. And she came up to me and she said, Mom, with tears in her eyes, she said, I really want what they have. And I said, baby girl, then look to heaven and ask God right now to give it to you. And he will. And by faith, this little seven-year-old girl at that time, she was so, so shy. She looked to heaven and she said, Daddy God, please give me the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came on her in such power, friends. I still have never witnessed anything quite like that. And I was so grateful to be there that day. She began speaking in tongues and not just speaking, this little shy little girl. 
start screaming <laughs> in the spirit. Let me tell you, it was radical. And then, then they all started laying hands. These little, I mean, no one was even telling the kids, hey, you go over here and do this and you go over there. We were, we were just there. And even the adults that were there were kind of like, whoa, what the heck is happening here? The kids just started speaking in tongues and then they were laying hands and they were weeping like with a sound of heaven that I've never heard except for that day. And they were crying for each other and they were laying hands. Friends, if God would do that for a seven-year-old little girl who doesn't understand everything but had a pure heart before the Lord and said I want it give it to me he will do it for you Acts 2 38 says then Peter said repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit see we call the gift of the Holy Spirit we call it the second work of grace the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, the first work is salvation. It, we realize in the church that we don't have to do anything to earn salvation. We just have to receive it. But for some reason, we think that we have to be super duper holy to speak in tongues. Like, my husband totally messes up people's theology because he starts speaking in tongues as he prayed and asked for before he gave up smoking weed, y'all. Yeah, that messes some, that's messing someone's theology up. Okay, but the Holy Spirit came on him and gave him power to give up smoking weed, gave him power to say no to sin. The grace of God gives us power to say no to ungodliness. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for the um, purpose of cleansing us from sin. That's salvation. That's the gift of salvation, but it's for the purpose of empowering us for service. If some of you feel like, man, I just, I don't have the bonus. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will come on you and give you the bonus. My husband, like my daughter, was super shy before Jesus came and gave him the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I mean, he literally would throw up. You guys have heard this before he would speak. He would be, when we first started dating, he would just hear God so, so much that we would be sitting in restaurants and he'd be like, God's telling me to go pray for this person. And I'm like, come on, let's go do it then. He's like, just one more, one, one more moment. Let's pray just a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> that's how he was friends but the power of the holy spirit gave him empowerment that after he received the baptism of the holy spirit he went out and broke up a gang fight on our street blowing the shofar the power of the holy spirit gave him the power that when a gun was pulled out on his head he said i love you in the name of jesus the power of the holy spirit came on him in such a strong way we were youth pastors and we were street witnessing someone um he broke up a fight and someone punched him and he said i forgive you in the name of jesus and they were talking about it the next day at mcdonald's that's the power of the holy spirit this was a shy person who would never speak in front of people if it wasn't for god and his power and the holy spirit friends if he could do it for my husband if he can do it for my daughter he can do it for you it's a gift it's a gift you know there's no better evangelist in the world than the Holy Spirit Dwight Moody said that and it's so true and the last gift that's on the must have list for this season is actually I kind of cheated it a little bit because I didn't have time to preach all of it I will say it's the last gifts I just put it as the six, because it's more than one. It's the gifts of the spirits, friends. That's what we're going to talk about in the next couple weeks a little bit more. But I want to read you some of these scriptures. But first, I want to read this quote to you by Charles Spurgeon. It says, never lose sight of the treasure which he has placed in our, earth, our earthen vessels. Every single one of you has a gift from the Lord. First Timothy 4.14 says, do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands 
in the eldership. 1 Corinthians 12 says, now about the gifts of the Spirit. Say gifts of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. And then he lists quite a few, and I want you guys to listen because you got one of these, maybe multiple ones. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Say common good. To one is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Do you know wisdom is a gift of the Spirit? To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, interpretation of tongues. All these are for work of one in the same spirit. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. So I shared with you how my daughter received the baptism of the Holy Spirit that day. Well, my son uh, of nine years old at that time also received it that day. And he began to pray. <clears throat> and we talked to him. He said, Mom, I can't believe it. it's been three years I've been praying. I thought he was going to get it when he was six years old and he got baptized in water. He came out, and I'm like, it was right there. I thought he was about to start speaking in tongues then. But God chose for a different time for him to get it, and so he was nine. He said, Mom, I waited three years. You know, for a nine-year-old, three years is a long time to wait. You know what I'm saying? He's like, I waited three years for this. And then we, they were all praying, and then he came to me and said, Mom, I feel like I know what they're saying in tongues. I feel like I, I, feel like I know what they're saying. He started he start telling me things, and it was beyond a nine-year-old's comprehension of some of the things that he was telling me. I said, Son, God just gave you another gift called interpretation. He said, What? Are you to tell me there's more than one gift? I said, Oh, yes, son. There's multiple gifts in the Bible. He said, Well, I want them all. I said, That's awesome. Because the Bible says we're supposed to envy and covet the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You're allowed to want them all. Isn't that awesome? See, one of the Ten Commandments is do not cover your neighbors this and that and this and that. But when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, it says, oh, come on. You can covet it all. It says you can want them all, friends. And God will give it to you if you have the faith to receive it. And so those are some of the gifts they're found in, in 1 Corinthians 12. There's some more gifts mentioned in Romans 12 through 8. I'm going to read these to you too. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophecy, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then, uh, then encouragement. If giving, then give generously. If it's to lead do it diligently. If to show mercy, do it cheerfully. It even talks about the five-fold um, ministry, which a lot of people get caught up on now, the apostle, the prophet, you know, the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher. And, and those, friends, are just gifts to the body. That's what they are. God wants to give you a gift that you can build one another up. It's not just for you. He doesn't give so that we can be like, oh, look at what I got. Look at me and my gift. No, he gives it to you so that you can bless other people. You're gifted. He's given you gifts. Would you stand to your feet with me, friends?
let's just focus on the Lord for a minute. I believe the Lord wants to touch you today in a powerful way. Would you close your eyes for a moment? I told my husband, I said, because I know we're going to focus a lot more on spiritual gifts in the next couple of weeks. But I, I've just told him, I said, honey, I feel like I have like a, what you would call a prequel, a prequel to this message. Because I think before a lot of us are opened up enough to receive spiritual gifts, we need to receive the gifts that only God can give us. We need to make sure that we're receiving the spirit of God, salvation, forgiveness, his presence. Friends, those are gifts that are for you today. If you're in here and you need a special touch from the presence of God, would you just raise your hands before him? He wants to bless you today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're here today and you know that, that God has given you a gift and you just know that, that you need him to help you grow up in him, would you raise your hand before the Lord? Bless you, bless you, bless you. If you're in here today and you know there's someone that you have to forgive and you have to give them to God for you to walk in your freedom, would you just raise your hand before the Lord? Yep. If you're in here today and maybe you're like my son and you're saying, I've been waiting for three, four, five, ten years to receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit and I want it today. And I have faith today to receive it. Would you raise your hands before the Lord? Thank you. Thank you. Now I'm going to ask my pastoral team. There's a lot of people that raise their hand, friends. If you're a part of my pastoral team or part of my leadership team in any way, would you come on up here and stand this way so that we can pray for people? If you raise your hands, friends, come on up. We want to pray for you. We want to take a moment to pray for you. We believe that God is going to touch you right where you're at. Come on up. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. God wants to touch you. We've got God up here with us, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we believe by the laying on of hands today that you are going to receive a special touch from the Lord. I'm going to ask you guys if you would just wait along with us for a while as we pray for people. And then I'm going to speak a blessing over all of us.